Welcome to the Aesthetic Doctor Podcast. We don't shy away and keep secrets here. We empower you with education, telling you the truth about all things aesthetic medicine while encouraging you to be the best version of yourself. It's time to look great and feel good doing it. This is your host, mom, speaker, and board-certified physician, Dr. Judith Forger. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 22 of the Aesthetic Doctor Podcast. Today, I will be talking to Dr. Sarah Neitzel, who is a podiatrist and private practice podiatric surgeon in Washington State. She also owns a medically safe manicure and pedicure spa. She is a business coach who teaches others to enhance their private practices and open manicure and pedicure spas. Join us for a conversation about foot problems, manicures, pedicures, feet, and all things private practice business and business coaching. Here's my conversation with Dr. Sarah Neitzel. Dr. Neitzel, it is so excited to have a podiatrist here because, you know, we really talk about all things wellness. And of course, our feet, our hands, our walking is really a big part of wellness. And I think a lot of women, especially like, you know, we've burnt our feet with like the cute shoes and we thought yep. podiatrists were for old people. And <laughs> yes. now we're kind of in this age where we're like, oh man, are we turning into the old people? Right. Um, yes. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so the other thing that you do, so let's first start out by just talking about some podiatry things. Um, you know, I had, um, you had, you had kind of shared with me that one of your, um, goals was to keep people walking healthy and safe, which I think is an amazing goal. And as I said, you know, uh, a lot of us are finding that maybe we haven't used um, good shoe wear. And I'm hearing a lot of like bunions starting as mm-hmm. like a little bit of problems, especially in women and the high heels. And so, right. I, I mean, what if somebody's starting to develop a bunion, like how bad does it have to get to see a podiatrist? Sure. What are some of the things that we can do? Sure. So, I mean, look, bunions are a little bit due to shoe gear. Mostly it actually has to do with like how your joints function and that stuff's genetic. So, you know, don't beat yourself up too much about the cute shoes. I'm all for cute shoes. Um, the truth is if you're starting to get that bunion where it's like kind of starting to shift over and look like your grandma's toes, um, if it's not hurting you yet, my general approach to that is like, Hey, if it ain't broke, maybe don't fix it just Mm yet. Um, because bunion surgery is uncomfortable, right? So I typically like my patients to be kind of at that point where this is starting to dictate their life a little bit, you know, are, are you starting to plan your day based on how long, you know, you can be on your foot, (laughs) you know, things like that. Um, for the most part, if you're starting to get them and I have them too, um, you know, wearing the right type of shoes, like wearing a good type of like a running shoe, even if you're not a runner or, you know, some over-the-counter inserts at the bare minimum, um, those can help kind of limit how much you're overloading that joint. And that's usually how that starts to happen. Um, if it's not, you know, real painful, you may just be able to wear those while you're exercising. And then if you're going to be in your cute heels for a couple of hours in a day, that's okay. That's not going to make or break you getting a bunion. It's when you're doing that repetitive walking motion and Mm -hmm. in the wrong shoes that it becomes an issue. So you want to be cute and go to dinner. You got to go to church. You do you, I'm not going to say anything about that for my patients, but 
you know, if you're doing exercise and you're doing a lot of walking and you're really not wearing great shoes, you're kind of going for the cheapy, super flexible stuff. It it's really not doing you any favors and it probably will continue to get worse. But once it starts to get painful, that's when we need to talk about it for sure. That's awesome. Um, you know, one of the other things that you do, what was really um, cool to me was that you do um, some fat pad allograft injections mm-hmm. for people that, you know, have some pain because of loss of the fat pad. Do you want to yes. tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Okay. So this was something that I had wanted there to be a product out there for this forever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really have this problem with my female patients realistically. And I always kind of make the joke and tell them like, look, this is one of life's really cruel jokes is that we can't seem after a certain age as women to lose weight in places we want to, but we lose it the one place we need it, which is the bottom of your foot. <laughs> and so I have a lot of people that it just starts to get really, really painful when they're trying to be barefoot or if they're just like standing in the shower. Um, there is an opportunity there if you're putting too much pressure down and you don't have any more of that shock absorbing cushion that you could start to even develop wounds on the bottom of the foot. So there's a lot of reasons to think about trying to make that more comfortable. Um, the other big one that I see is, you know, if you're starting to shift your weight a little bit, because you've got one spot underneath, that's just like super painful to walk on. Mm-hmm then you'll end up with tendonitis. You'll be coming in with muscle cramps. Like you're going to be seeing me for a whole bunch of other stuff other than just the the loss of the fat pad. So there's, there's problems with putting general like products that are, that are obviously a little bit cheaper, um, underneath the foot, because that whole area in like the forefoot pad is all kind of one continuous space. And so before, when people were trying to put in like Botox and things that are kind of artificial fillers, it would shift out of the way. Yeah. It just, it just goes to wherever there's no pressure on it because you're walking on it and it can shift, right. Which is different than having it in your face. So, you know, there's now products that are coming out where they're basically taking these really kind of young fat cells and we're able to inject those into a certain area. And then I kind of take pressure off of it with specialty shoes and padding for about three weeks. Cause that's, that's about how long it takes for mm-hmm. cells to turn over. And basically they're in there and they're live cells. So they start grabbing around at everything and making attachments. So they actually stay in place. And then after three weeks, I can get people start walking again. And that fat just continues to kind of fill up. So we've been having some really, really good results with people that were like not able to walk on parts of their feet for years. And now they're, you know, padding around barefoot around their house and they're super happy. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I love some of the points that you mentioned. And one of them is really that you know, I think what you're telling us is really to seek out podiatra care, um, yeah. to not kind of wait until it's like disabling your life, yeah, please but to don't. really be like, <laughs> you know, this is starting to be a thing that maybe bothers me regularly. Yes. And maybe I should go see an expert before yeah. I like completely calcify right. that tendon right. or run that fat pad down yes. sort of like everything with preach like prevention and early yeah. treatment is yeah. so much better until you wait till the only yeah. thing you have left is yeah. like the big invasive surgical treatments, which I'm sure you do yeah. too, but the recovery is yes. a lot longer. <laughs> but it is, it's very different. Right. And yeah, like everything else, I mean, the sooner you get to it, the better your overall outcome. So, you know, whether it's surgery, if I get to somebody surgically or early enough, we can do things minimal invasive through little tiny holes. I don't have to do the big open surgery with all the hardware. 
if you wait too long and you're like barely walking on it and all your angles are all messed up at that point, then yeah, we're going to have a real big surgery and a real big recovery. And you're going to see a lot of me for a few months. <laughs> yeah. The other thing that you do, what, um, has really sparked my interest that I think, um, my patients are, uh, and my listeners are really going to love is that you own a medically safe manicure and pedicure spa in the yeah. greater Seattle area. Yep. So for my listeners, like, what does that even mean? Like what's medically safe? <laughs> right, right. You know, manicure well, <laughs> yeah. And to kind of tell you how this came about from like a physician mm-hmm. standpoint, I cannot tell you how many patients of mine have gotten fungus from mm-hmm. going to places that just don't like the way they're cleaning instruments not the way a doctor's office would clean instruments, right? Like my version of cleanliness for bacteria and fungus, very, very different from general public, understandably so. But when you're going to somewhere where you're kind of being moved through and there's a whole lot of people, things aren't really getting cleaned all that well, usually. Um, There's some processes in place, but it's not as good. So I run into a lot of fungal infections. I run into a lot of bacterial infections from ingrowns that, you know, technicians went after that they really probably shouldn't have. Um, You know, it also is really hard when we've got people who, you know, their skin is really thin or maybe they have neuropathy and they can't feel anything. And so if somebody goes after them with one of those kind of electrical buffer callus shavers, like those things are aggressive. I don't know if you've ever had that done to you. I've had it done to me and it's, it's a little aggressive, (laughs) but I could see some of my older patients, you know, really like it's just tearing up their skin. Um, and you know, there's certain parts of the pedicure that we all go back for, right? the massage is amazing. Totally get that. And I'm all for it. (laughs) But I had a lot of patients that like, it just really wasn't a safe option. And I was having to tell them like, no, don't go, don't go to someone else to take care of your feet. Even though, you know, maybe they have trouble seeing their feet. Maybe they can't bend over to reach their feet. It was still somehow safer for them to do it at home, which is a little crazy. In my opinion, if you can't see what you're doing, that's going to be an issue. So you know, normally podiatry historically has done a lot of, you know, nail and callus care for people, but I got to say like insurance is really changing the game on that. They really, really dictate like who we can do that for and who we can't. And it really has to be medically necessary. And unfortunately, a lot of people that really need it, like insurance is not going to see that as medically necessary. So Um, I decided to put in a like medically safe uh, nail spa. So it's manicures and pedicures. And essentially it is done in a way that I know the equipment is autoclaved. So it is surgically sterile. It is the exact same protocols that I use on my surgical instrumentation. It's not hard to run it through an autoclave and it's not abnormal for me to have that in an office. Um, everything else is done single use. All of my products I have chosen myself. And I actually like went down the rabbit hole of reading, like what's on the back of every product, right? So that I know if, if what the product is promising that it can do, it actually can do, um, which most of the time they can't. And then the other part of it is, you know, do they have chemicals in there that yes, make them really effective, but might actually be really unsafe on the wrong type of patient. And, you know, general consumers, you're not going to know that you're not going to know that salicylic acid, which is in all of those foot peels and really good callus removers 
is also going to take off the skin on the rest of your foot. <laughs> so there's certain people that I absolutely would recommend, you know, not having any of those products on their feet. So I've been really careful to make sure that I've got a certified nail technician in there that is trained on you know, general foot conditions to watch for, to make sure that it's not something that a podiatrist needs to see, um, that we're using products that I know are going to be safe across the board for all of my patients, whether they're autoimmune or immunocompromised. And then also that everything is done sterilely. You know, I don't have to worry about the fungal infections. We don't have to worry about the bacterial infections out of that. So it really was born out of a place of need in the community for this. Um, and at this point, it's kind of just exploded. Like she is so busy. She's booked out like three or four weeks, That's awesome. <laughs> which is great. But <laughs> and do you so. do like the whole range of nail things? I mean, do you also do the gel and the dip and the acrylics or do you just do so manicure and pedicures? Because you believe that that's the most sort of medically safe. Yeah, we have, um, I am, I am totally open to gel. I did a lot of research on gel. Gel is fine to use on the nails. Acrylic is really pretty unhealthy for the nails in general. And, and it takes a lot of chemicals and a lot of ventilation and a lot of special equipment. And so when I came down to deciding whether or not I wanted to do that, I just decided, you know, it's not good for the nails anyways. And I really don't want my staff breathing that in patients shouldn't breathe that in. So we don't do acrylics. Um, dip, dip is interesting because if it's done right, it's fine. Um, but you almost have to take a small amount of the dip into a separate like container or a separate bag and then dip the client's nails. And then that has to get thrown out in my opinion, like if you're really doing it the proper way. Um, so when your nails are just kind of shoved into the general canister that everybody else has been like, that's not really, it's not really clean. Yeah. I've been thinking about <laughs> it. Like, I love cutting my nails, but you're absolutely right. Like some of these issues I'm raising, I'm like, Oh yeah. Maybe I, I know. should reconsider this beautiful dip that I absolutely love. <laughs> right. Right. And if it's, like I said, if it's done right and it's done individually, but I actually know, think it's probably fine, that. but like, it's you know, nobody do does that. that. Right, like, exactly. because like, I totally know that. <laughs> they take number 329 off the shelf, yep, dip yep. my nails and then dip put it right it, back on the call shelf. Call it good. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, and that is unfortunately how a lot of things are done. It's cheaper that way. And I understand from a bottom line business standpoint, why they would do that. It's just, if it was me, it's not what I would want done. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just know better at this point. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, those of us, and I'm sure, you know, a lot of um, my um, listeners also love getting their nails done and they yeah. don't have access to a place like yours. Sure. Um, you know, what, what should they kind of look for when they go yeah. to a nail salon or a nail spa? What are some of the things that's absolute no, that are absolute yeses? Is there certain things that we can request or ask for? Sure. Sure. Yeah. And you know, this will kind of harken back to what I used to tell people before I opened this <laughs> up. Right. Um, my biggest things are, you know, cleanliness, right? So pretty much my opinion, everybody should have those disposable bowl liners. Like there's no reason that you should be putting your foot in the same water or even the same basin that somebody else was just in, um, without there being at least a liner down for you individually. So that, that would be part one to watch for. The second thing is, you know, on like callus scrubbers or any kind of, you know, electronics, you know, callus shaver, anything, is this something that has either been autoclaved? So like, I hate the cheese graters. Those just shouldn't exist. Um, but is it something that is either can be autoclaved or a single use? 
Single use is my preferred, to be honest. I, I don't want something um, that has been potentially used on somebody else. Obviously, that's how fungus spreads. And then the other thing is, honestly, if you can, you can pick up on Amazon, like the, your little individualized nail care toolkit, right? So like you have every right to bring that in and be like, here's the tools we're going to use today, <laughs> you know? And I think that that is, you know, how those have been taken care of. So that is a much cleaner way and a lot, a lot safer way in giving you that, you know, kind of mental, I'm, I'm happier and I feel more comfortable doing it this way. Um, my big fear when I go in places and Lord knows I, I have been into some where, you know, I'm going, Oh my God, I just, I don't want to say anything, but I know this isn't good. It's like when tools or like callus scrubbers or something get pulled out of somebody's pocket. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no. Right. Or some, I don't know. Yeah. Like where, where was that before you just shoved it in your pocket? So those are kind of things to watch for. I can pretty well, I can pretty well assume most places are not actually using an autoclave really, truly. It's, it's a more expensive piece of equipment. Um, I think it's totally worth the investment, but I do surgery. So to me, that's always worth the investment. Um, the, you know, the UV light sterilizers just don't really do it. They just don't. So, I mean, that would be kind of the bare minimum, but I would like to see that they're at least putting them in some kind of like cold sterilization tray in between clients that, that would be, that would be one of the things I would probably look for. And, you know, it's really interesting that you um, sort of say those things because in my aesthetic, you know, medicine office, we do medical grade facials too. And it is sort of a little bit that same idea is the fact that, you know, not only do we really use high quality products, our staff is higher trained, but even with single things we have like a three step like yes or maybe even four step disinfection process right that right. really like it and it isn't just like you know rinsing it off and throwing it under uv light i mean no. it involves no. like all sorts of things yeah to make sure and the same as you we do a lot of yeah. single use and we you do a lot of disposable and everything has extra like you know, plastic things yep. over it to yep. protect it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think what, what patients need to realize is that it's a whole different game. And also yes. that, that stuff is really your health, your safety, your well being. Yeah. And also that, you know, you can't then do such a thing as a price competition no. because you're getting something completely different yeah. that is yeah. just done in such a more high quality, safer, you know, again, medically supervised, right. essentially. Right, right. And even though, you know, you may not have a physician as the one that is doing the service for you, yeah, like you, you okay. still have a technician that has been, you know, trained with that physician to like, you know, know what to watch for and make sure that everything's happening the way that it should. And in, in some cases, you know, for like some of our diabetic patients, if that conversation is had with the nail technician, you know, she knows not to go after their cuticles. Cause that's like an opportunity for infection, you know, and if they are needing to be done, they're done totally with sterile tools and that kind of thing. You just, you can't compete with that, you know, terms of cleanliness, um, and in terms of service, you know, and we've, we've added extra things in there. Like we have a CBD rub that, you know, we will utilize for people with neuropathy. Um, and if they don't want to use CBD, you know, we've got Arnica and other, other, you know, non, non CBD options. Um, and it's, it's really, we've also made this like 
kind of an individual experience, you know? So we only have two chairs in this spa and I have one nail tech, so she can do, she can do pairs. Um, but this was a decision that I made during COVID also, you know, everybody needed to be six feet apart. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately in a lot of salons, you know, not only did they kind of shut down for a while, but then when they reopened, it was like, you just had a piece of plastic and you're still in like these chairs that are like, right. <laughs> next to each right other. And like, like, of course, <laughs> like all the patients that you see, what diabetes that causes neuropathy, what vascular disease, those are the things yeah. that put you at higher risk for any of right. the COVID related complications. Right. Right. So this really became a nice option for people to be able to go into. And I really think that it just, it makes sense for a podiatry office to have something like this available for their people, you know, and even, you know, even if it's not your patients that are, that are there, I mean, this is a totally separate business. So mm -hmm. she's got clients that I have never seen as patients. And I have patients that she's never seen as clients. And sometimes the two will kind of cross over, but it's not a requirement. You know, anybody who just is really concerned about their overall health and cleanliness when they're getting this kind of foot care done, they just, it's a good option. They just come see her. And if they need to see me, great. Like we make an appointment, <laughs> they can come see me, you know, it's not a, it's not like a requirement that there has to be that shared experience, but we've made sure that everything is, you know, as safe, obviously with COVID as our office was. Um, and that was a, that was a really big part. And that's part of the price point too. You know, I mean, you're, yeah. you're paying for that individual kind of very relaxing private experience. And really, it's been a recurrent theme, too, is that really, you know, and, and I think it has something to do with worthiness, too, like you yeah. deserve yes to be safe yes. you deserve to have the best care like you deserve more than that shared yes. bowl of yuck like yes. right yes please like, don't go dip your foot in that yeah <laughs> you know you know when I was in Asia they did um they have those little fish tanks. Oh my gosh. Yes. Fish. I've always like, wanted I, to try that. Oh, you want to try it? it? I could not, well, I could not get over it. The fact that like somebody else just had their foot in there and right? there's fish and the fish and poop in there. It. I was like, Oh, Ooh, yeah. I don't know. Just, even I got creeped out. I, part of me wanted to try it, but I just couldn't quite get myself. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it like, it sounds really cool. And I, there's part of me that really wants to try it, but yeah, if I saw a bowl full, like fish poop and fish, I'd be like, yeah, I'm not putting my foot in there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks. I'm good. <laughs> Was it hard for you to figure out how to run a nail spa, like from a business perspective was? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a learning curve. Um, <laughs> You know, the biggest thing is like, so I wanted to do this in residency. Like this was something that like eight years ago, nine years ago, I was sitting there going, how come nobody's doing this? And I started kind of pinging some of my attendings about like, Hey, I'm thinking I might want to do private practice with this. And I just got shot down. Like they were like, you can't do that. That's just silly. That's not anything podiatry does. That's not medical. Da, 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 da. And so I thought like, okay, there's gotta be a reason that nobody's doing this, right? Like let's, let's kind of hang out, watch. I'll see what the reasons really are. Maybe there is a medical reason why this is not a good idea. And the truth is it's just because it's a separate business. That's it. Like it's, it is difficult to run a private practice anyways right? Mm -hmm. It's a business. Like we all are doing that as it is. And sometimes things aren't so great with that business. And, and like the idea of taking on a second business that might be also additionally stressful <laughs> is a lot for people. And 
you know, the thing is, I'm actually, it's funny that you say this because I'm totally coming out with a course on like how to take this from an idea to execution. So um, yeah, for medical practices, because I, I did a lot of learning, did a lot of talking over with an attorney to figure out like, okay, how do you, how do you separate the liabilities of this from a practice? Cause that was probably the number one thing, right? My malpractice is not going to cover if something happens with the nail tech. <laughs> so, right, right, right. right. So like, there are things to consider with that, um, your separate business licensing, how to really like keep that separate. And then, you know, knowing what equipment to buy and what products to do and, what you're going to need to do is like your initial investment. And I think there's different levels that you could take this at. Um, there are like kind of more compact, smaller ways to do this within your office. But I think that like liability wise and growth wise, this has such a huge potential to grow. I totally think it's worth like setting it up right the first time, you know, like yeah. set it up as its own thing, get the nice chairs, like <laughs> get the and massage And at least, chairs. you know, and then there's state to state specific regulations right. too, because I know in North Carolina, like there's certain services that my esthetician have asked me about yes. adding yes. that just to do that would require a whole separate like mm -hmm. spa mm -hmm. license versus mm -hmm. like the mm -hmm. license we have now. So that, you know, obviously we all want to be, I hope so compliant. Right. Um, yeah, and we want to do it legally. And, <laughs> yes. You know, and then sometimes you have to evaluate like which part of the business is worth it or not. But it's right. great for people that, you know, we do have a lot of physicians listening um, that are interested in maybe adding that. And yeah, I assume even though you're a podiatrist, I mean, this is something that family practice could oh, do, yeah. that internal medicine could do, Absolutely. geriatrics. I mean, yep. this is really, of course, podiatry, but yeah. it, it really seems like the kind of sort of branching out and yeah. you know I do a lot of um coaching and we have a course on how to start your own aesthetics practice so yes. it's kind of cool to talk to yes. somebody who's like <laughs> doing similar things for yes. another field yes yes yeah because you're right it can it can totally be used in just about any situation and it's it really doesn't take that much space like really truly it doesn't um and you know you just you just have to set it up right. And once you get through the initial like setup, oh my gosh, this business runs itself. Like I have, I have a nail tech. She is experienced. So she knows when she needs to order things, you know, she's really good with knowing, um, you know, how well things are going. She's got a, she's got a good pulse on it, but a lot of that was kind of our initial discussions on how to run this. And so essentially she's running everything I'm overseeing it, which is exactly where I need to be as a physician. Cause I'm also still really busy with patients. Um, and you know, I mean, the amount that it actually costs to run a nail spa is so minimal compared to the cost it is to run a practice, you know, right. Like, yeah, especially oh, yeah. if you're doing any regenerative treatments, like those products are really expensive. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, I think that's what people have to understand, especially in the aesthetic space, right. Yeah. When people and and a lot of times too when i talk to spawners that want a partner or somebody like mm -hmm. that when they think know that our costs for fillers and prp is more than 50 yeah. percent of what we charge they're like yeah. oh my god my consumables are like right percent seven right right and right. that's an expensive yeah. procedure like right yeah. yeah so so that's really interesting really really interesting yeah. to know from a business perspective yeah and i think you're and i think you're probably about right um, I think it's probably about five or 10%, you know, honestly, in terms of consumables that actually like get used up. 
Um, and then, you know, then you've got your staff fee and essentially I rent that space from myself in the office. You know, I mean, you can pretty well make that whatever you need it to, but it's got, it's got a really it's got a really stable model and it's got a good profit margin and it runs whether I am here or not, because Lord knows I do not want to be in the office five days a week. And I'm not currently. Um, so yeah, I know. It's like, I'm just not going to do that. Well, and, and I love talking to you because in the future, we should totally like also cross teach for our courses yes. because it's kind of one of the things that I do on a lot of my business coaching is like, you know, I want to help people build businesses that work for them in their lives, right? So we're going to kind of veer (laughs) off into a little bit of an entrepreneurship journey. But for all of those who are listening that are entrepreneurs, you know, it's so easy to just hustle and try to chase numbers in the end. You're not taking anything home and you're working seven days a week and you're doing all the stuff that, you know, most of us become entrepreneurs because we want the freedom. We love the creativity we yep. want to really help people without sort of that corporate like structure and middleman that a lot yes. of us feel kind of constrained by yes. you know so so really when i think about what does my pra- my business do well it's really to help my patient population mm-hmm. to create exactly the atmosphere and the warm welcoming that i want and then mm-hmm. it also allows me to help patients in a way that i want right. but at the same time like you i'm part time like right. and i because i love my family i love yeah. my life i love yeah. to exercise you, you have a There's life a lot of things <laughs> like yeah and 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 it is what i also want to teach other entrepreneurs to do is to build really. And that's what we always say, build businesses that work for you and your lives. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that is, that is a really cool thing. Cause you and I are definitely aligned on that. Like that is one of the biggest things that I'm now like coaching other doctors to do is like, you know, how do you, how do you build a private practice? That's going to work for you. You know, I mean, I, you know, when I first came out of residency, I was like, so awesome at seeing like 40 to 50 people a day. I could do it six days a week. I had the energy of an energizer bunny and that has gone down. (laughs) Like I do not have that kind of energy and, you know, I'm a solo doc. I'm looking to hire somebody else and bring them in, but you know, it is, it's a process that takes some time because you are, like you said, you've really cultivated this practice in the way that works for you. You've got a certain kind of aesthetic, certain vibe, you know, your certain relationship with your patients. So bringing somebody into that, you want to make sure it's the right person. In the meantime, I have like a 5,000 patient docket and I'm, I just can't do six days a week. Like if I opened my schedule, it would fill. Um, and right now, I mean, I'm booked out all the way to December, which good problem to have. Don't get me wrong, but but it's like, you know, I really, for my own well being, I discovered I can't work a half a day and then go home. I don't do that. Like my brain does not shut off and separate. (laughs) So instead I've realized like once I'm at work, I'm solid. So I'll go like today, I'm going to work from like nine till six or seven. And then, you know, I typically have like Fridays completely off because that is my day to work on my coaching business and be with my family and do all the other things that I really want to do. And that works for me. Now, is that the answer for everybody? No, but I am certainly there to help them figure out what is the right answer for you? How do you perform at your best and still get what you need out of this? Cause this is a business that's supposed to serve you 
you and your patients. Like, do well, not forget about that's you. What, <laughs> I, and I think that's what kind of, you know, when I hope that when people listening that aren't physicians realize is like, you know, one of the reasons you get the care that you get is because I run the business that I run. Like, right. right? One of the reasons I am joyful and I'm happy and I'm available for you and yes. I am kind of not rushing you out the door right. and I'm not right. stressed out and I'm kind of showing up as the person with kind of the open heart and the open and listening yes. is because I take care of my own wellness. Like, yes. right? I think sometimes it's easy to have the lay people and I don't mean it as a separation, but have people that aren't in medicine kind of not understanding sort of the stress and the responsibility and all that stuff. And yes. all they see is like, well, I have to wait three weeks for my appointment. Like, right. why can't you just work a Friday? Right. Like, right. But the point right. is like, you love my practice. You love that your appointment is a half hour. Yes. You know, you love the fact yeah. that I am like creating this welcoming atmosphere that comes with like, you know, you can't, it's, it's sort of like you can't have, or, and you don't want to have McDonald's speed at like, right. you know, your high end restaurant. Right. It's like, right. they're two separate things. So if you desire this concierge taken care of high elevated experience yeah. Yeah. and also physician that serves as a role model, yes. you, it does come with a waiting list and it yep. does come with you not necessarily being able to, in your case, get a Friday appointment. Yep. Yep. And it's just, and that's what I, like you said, like, that's what I just, I have to do that for my well being. Um, but the thing that's the thing that has been a really cool experience in being a business owner is like being able to figure out how it is that I can do what I need to do for me by like taking Fridays off and still be able to give my patients that experience in, in like less time for me. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And that involved working longer hours. And luckily I'm able to handle doing that. Um, but, you know, I think, I think you're totally right on the, on the, if your physician isn't doing well, you're like, your treatment's not going to be ideal. It's really not like we can only give to other people when we have like filled our own cup. Right. Yeah. So, um, I think that's really important. And, and if we can make sure that we're providing that service in a way that's really, really going to serve our patients, we have to be double checking on ourselves too. It just has to happen. Absolutely. And especially being in the health and wellness space, I also really strongly sort of believe in modeling um, what I preach, right? Yeah. Because if you have listened to the podcast, if you follow some of my coaching, not only do I do business coaching, but we do some life coaching. You yes. know, I obviously talk a lo lot about wellness and health with all of my patients, yep. but yep. you know, I live that. I don't yeah. just, yeah. you know, I don't just say that. So yeah, no, it sounds and I'm, like you're doing the same thing. I am doing the same thing over here. It is, it is such a nice thing to talk to somebody else. Who I, I love it. I love it. As I said, like I love it. I love it. I love it. So, um, you know, people that, um, especially entrepreneurs, physicians that are interested in maybe um, exploring this for themselves, or that are yeah. really like, wow. Um, Sarah, um, you have this part that I'm really struggling with and are looking for yeah. some business coaching. Yeah. Um, where can they find you? 
So uh, the coaching business is actually called Visionary Practice Solutions. Okay. Um, and you can find us at, you know, www.visionarypracticesolutions.com. Um, I do have some podcast episodes. We've been getting that Yay. started. Yeah, I know. Um, it's, you know, there's just, there's been quite a few questions that it's like, yeah, I could probably like actually just talk about this and reach a lot more people this way. <laughs> so we've started that. Um, and I will be having that course come out here pretty soon for kind of how to put a medical nail spa, you know, as like an adjunct business, um, to your practice. So I think having that kind of passive income is also, you know, a thing that a lot of physicians need to consider because, you know, when things aren't going quite the way they want to, and you have hiccups in your practice, it's really nice to be able to have. So I don't, you know, I don't, um, consider it completely passive. Let me just add that because you're still running the spa. It's not like a syndication, but I consider it not, um, tied one-on-one to your time. So I yes. think it's sort of the next <laughs> level of leverage. If yes. we're going to be really clear on sort yes. of like what this provides for people from yeah. a business perspective, that it's yeah. not the same as, you know, and you invest in somebody else's business and you have nothing to do. And then with you have it. nothing to do with it's it. It's yes. just like more like a level of when we talk about business leverage yes. up from you being the person seeing the people. Yes. And only when you see the people, you get um, you know, reimbursed for your services. Yes. It's yeah. it's sort of the level of leverage that you provide the direction and the oversight, yep. but the daily appointments yes. and yes. the, you know, management is run by somebody else. Yeah. And that is, that is more, you're right. Cause that is more what I meant by passive was basically that like, you're not trading your time for mm-hmm. money. Like, like, exactly. right. so like it's not a, a one for one exchange. Up, right? right. Yeah. Yeah. But it is not, it is not like passive, like syndication investing. No. <laughs> Well, I just want to make different. sure that people like, yes. understand that. Like, right? <laughs> yeah. They're not buying still... into your practice. They right. will still have to do something. Right. You will still need to put some work into it initially. <laughs> yes. And then after what, after that, it does get to pretty smooth sailing and you just kind of are checking in and overseeing. And it's definitely a lot easier than running your practice. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and obviously that speaks to your business acumen and also your employee considerations and all of that, which yes. I'm sure is all that you talk about in your oh, course. Oh, absolutely. Because it's all that I yep. talk about in it's my all course. part of it. <laughs> yeah, employees are so important. I mean, we're so lucky right now with who we have. Um, yes. But, you know, yes. once you get to a certain level, employees definitely become the conversation piece. It, it is. It is. And especially right now, it's definitely a hard thing. So, yeah, I have been really, really blessed with the team that I have, both in the practice and in the spa. And, you know, I just check in with them constantly like, what do you need? Are we good? Are you happy? What would, you know, like, because I just, at this point, it's more like employee retention. <laughs> than, you know, trying to hire necessarily. So yeah. For people that are in the greater Seattle area, what is your actual practice and nail spa called? So the practice is Peninsula Podiatry. Um, We are over in Silverdale, Washington, Mm -hmm. and it's across the water from Seattle, but still just a ferry right away. And then the spa is actually called Pure Peninsula Spa. Okay. Yeah. And those can both be found online. So before we wrap up, what are, is there any other like podiatric? I'm so sorry. No, you're good with that word. (laughs) It's Um, not an easy word. (laughs) Um, Are there any other um, sort of things that maybe your average population that does aesthetics? So middle-aged women to like earlier, later, anybody is like a common thing that we could quickly have a common question on, or did we maybe cover a lot of it? I think we covered a lot of it. The only other thing that I would say is, you know, I've been trying to really get the word out that despite the fact that I, I do surgery and that's what I was trained in, like, that's not 
that shouldn't be your first line of treatment. And I, and I don't want somebody to assume that just because they have problems like a bunion or tendon issues, or even a tendon tear that like, oh, that means I have to have surgery. Um, there are a lot of different regenerative treatment options at this point that can keep people out of surgery. And, you know, I know this cause I went through tendon surgery at the mm -hmm. end of residency, like I totally am honest with my patients when I tell them it is going to be a year before you're super glad we did this. And sure enough, it is, you know, it took me a year. It takes them a year to get over a tendon repair. It's a big investment to go through that kind of thing. But had I had the option of having like amniotic regenerative injections and some of these other things that we now have available, oh, I would have jumped on that in a heartbeat. So I, I would say, you know, just get out there and get the opinion about mm -hmm. whether there's other options out there. Um, there aren't a ton of practices doing it, but we certainly do it. I do second opinions for people all the time. Um, and, you know, I think it's worth asking the question because you deserve to have some treatment options that are going to work for you um, as opposed to surgery. So I would just seek those options out. Like, don't be afraid to ask those questions. All right, people, you heard it. Make friends <laughs> with your local podiatrist. Yes. They're pretty cool. Like, I, I wish you were here because like, I feel I like we would have hours and hours of stuff to talk about. I know, we probably would. <laughs> well, um, we will link all of Dr. Neitzel's information into the show notes. And thank you so much for being yeah. here. And this was a fascinating conversation. Yes. And people, if you have podiatry questions, business questions, you can always send them in to, I will forward them them um, or follow her, find her. Absolutely. She's um, really a great physician person and business Aww. coach. So <laughs> thank you again for being oh, here. Yes. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. This was wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Aesthetic Doctor podcast with Dr. Judith Borger. We'd love to connect with you outside of the show. Follow Dr. Borger on Instagram at Dr. Borger and find more online and ways to work with Dr. Borger at www.theaestheticdoctor.com. Until next time, be well.